This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And uh, last two weeks ago, we, we went through Jan- uh, Daniel chapter 2. And um, very challenging in how to deal with conflict. Let me ask you a question. Uh, let's not assume you know everything, all right? I'm asking you, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. One of the challenges of a pastor of any church is that um, think of a coach trying to tell a player a new play or a play that maybe he's ran in high school, but the coach. I imagine teachers, Eric, you're uh, right in front of me, but I imagine you know, some kids have like already know this, but they, they don't really know the whole thing. Don't fall into that trick. I'm going to do some movie quotes for you, and I want you to figure it out. Name the movie, all right? You ready for this? Let's see if you know your movies. The only thing is my movies are pretty old, all right? And um, they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. I heard it, Braveheart. I was thinking about doing the accents, but I don't know, maybe not. I will, I will, I will. Uh, to infinity and beyond. Yes. I don't know this one because I don't know the accent, but with great power comes great responsibility. There you go. Uh, I can't even do this one either. You are, a, I don't think you're going to get this one. You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. Get off my lawn. Uh, Gran Torino. Uh, how about this one? I, I can't do this one because I don't have a little boy's voice. I love waking up in the morning not knowing where I'm going to go, who I'm going to meet. Just the other night, I was sleeping under a bridge, and now here I am on the grandest ship in the world having champagne with you fine people. Yes, the Titanic. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Yes, a league of their own. 1992, as you can tell, my uh, Rolodex goes way back. Uh, let me see if I can... Mama says stupid is as stupid does. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Forrest Gump. <laughs> I can't do this one, although I have practice. I did practice in my office. <laughs> Fear is the path on the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. Star Wars. How about this one? What we do in life echoes in eternity. Yes. A liger is pretty much my favorite animal. It's like a lion and a tiger mixed, bred for its skills and magic. One of the best movies ever. How about this one? I don't know if you'll get, this one's a tough one. Why so serious? Why so serious? Heath Ledger. The Joker. Actually, I've never seen the movie. So just, you know. Yeah, I know. 
I barely have time to read scriptures and pray, let alone go see a movie like that. I'm just kidding. So. Why all the movie quotes? I'm trying to make a point, and I kind of already showed before I did the quotes, that just because you know a line in a movie doesn't necessarily know, mean that you know the movie. And it's the same case in this story. I'm not going to go through the whole, we're going we're gonna to be um, finished here in a few minutes. But it's the same thing with these Hebrew children that you've read. If you've been in Sunday school, you know the story, you think. You think you know the story, and you think you may know it well. But I'm going to challenge you that there's a bigger story to grasp. I'm going to ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to convince you that you don't know the whole story. Now, I don't know if that'll be easy or hard, but let's pray right now that the Holy Spirit will teach us something new today. Lord, we just say thank you. And Lord, we just say, Lord, teach us something, even though we might think we know everything about this story already. Lord, I pray, God, that there are some truths that we can pull out, and Lord, that you would embed in our hearts and permeate our hearts And Lord, that we can begin to flesh out these truths in our daily lives. For your glory, we say thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Chapter three, through the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and nine feet wide and set up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Let me just tell you, verse one is incredibly important. Something new, maybe, that you didn't know. Then he sent his messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And then a herald shouted out, people of all races and all nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So Lord, help us to learn something new. Now, if you remember uh, chapter two, another dream, a dream came about this statue but in, this, in the dream, this, only the head was made out of gold. But here in chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, the head represented his kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar decided to, you know what, I'm going to make this 90-foot tall statue made of gold. Now, I have a couple of pine trees in my yard. They're about 90 feet high, which is pretty high. Uh, but only about, you know, 2 feet, 3 feet in diameter. Not very big. So I can't even imagine what a statue would would look like of that dimension. But it is interesting that he made the whole thing of gold. It was always, it was always he was making a statement like, hey, I know that your, the dream was about my temporary kingdom, but I'm going to override that dream, and I'm going to make my kingdom permanent, a sign that my kingdom will never end. That's what Nebuchadnezzar was attempting to say. Now, we don't know what the, the statue looked like. We assume that it looked like him, But the Bible tells us that it was a little vague, and I think that's purposeful. I doubt that King Nebuchadnezzar had an exact replica of who he was made in a 90-foot-tall statue. 
But I think the, the vagueness is deliberate. It's, it's, it's almost as though they're saying, hey, I'll let this statue represent what I want you to think it is. And so even though the, 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 the looks of the statue might have been vague, there is no doubt, there's no vagueness of who is the power behind the statue, and it's none other than King Nebuchadnezzar. He was telling the whole world that his kingdom will stand up for a long time. And it is his gods that, his God that the people are going to worship. Now, something I learned and relearned again is that it is interesting where he set up the statue. If you read there in verse one, at the time, uh, excuse me, he set up the, on the plain of the Dura and the province of Babylon. Just raise your hand if that rings a bell to anybody. It's the same location of 11.2, Genesis 11.2, where they try to set up the Tower of Babel. It is interesting. So now that you know that and you reread it again, you can see that ne uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to unite the people under the banner of his statue, of his kingdom. 11 to, uh, to Genesis 11.2, the same location of the Tower of the of Babel. I believe it's his attempt to unify people, to unify people under his authority. King Nebuchadnezzar has a very similar goal to what we found in, in Genesis, to establish his kingdom, an everlasting force of his kingdom. Look what it says in verse 2 of chapter 3 of Daniel. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, and governors. What does he do? He invites all the dignitaries of the area, of his kingdom. He is going to make this a big celebration. He's going to make this public statement that the unity of Nebuchadnezzar's empire was rooted in some sort of common worship of his image. It was almost like a religious activity. And he's willing to enforce this worship to the statue with the threat of death. In verse four, then he heralded and shouted out, people of all races and all nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship the king, Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. It's very similar to all totalitarian governments, right? You will do this or you're going to die. We know right now, if you ever listen or, or read or get the emails of Voice of the Martyrs, right now across the globe, people are being forced to bow to the statue or you are gonna be thrown into a fiery furnace, maybe not a, a literal fiery furnace, but thrown into prison or isolation. We know that all across the globe this is happening. Matter of fact, there's a whole group of uh, Chinese Muslims in China that are literally being uh, shipped into concentration camps. And the rumor is, the rumor is, they're being used to farm to get uh, body parts. Organs, livers, kidneys, eyes. It's, it's horrible. Again, you have the regime that says, we, you, can, you will bow down, and if not, we're going to send you off. And this is happening here. 
Just look what's going on in North Korea. And have you ever heard of the country Turkmenistan? It is interesting. You should look it up. (laughs) This leader, this totalitarian leader in Turkmenistan, you cannot get any more narcissist than this guy. Now, I know what you're thinking. Really? You know, they're really, this guy, just look him up. He, I, I believe every TV show, every channel that's on their television, every, I think it's every five minutes, his picture comes up on the corner. And in some shows, his picture is always there. And that is by decree. You will always see his face. I saw one of his propaganda videos. It was the funniest thing ever. Just look it up. But this is what it's like to, to be under totalitarian regimes. You must bow down or you are going to pay the price. Now, a lot of these places allow you to have your own religion. You can have your own religion. You can still be a Christian as long as you know that your Christianity is not first. The regime's religion is first. And so this is what's going on here in in, uh, Daniel chapter three. So again, what can we learn from this? That King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to be the unifier, the uniter, under his banner, under his statue, under worship of his God. And if you didn't pay attention and you didn't bow down when the music played, then you were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. One of their favorite mantras of places like that is, yes, you can serve your own God as long as it's subservient to the regime's God. Now, this should sound very familiar to us. You might think, well, Pastor Mario, this doesn't really happen here, but I think it does. I think it does. It's much more subtle. It it happens subtly. So I pray that you begin to see what's going on. You know, you try to put a cross at your desk at work. Whoa, let's not take it to that level, right? Uh, I saw some kid had a a statue of, he was a Catholic boy and had a statue of Jesus in the back of his Zoom class. And I understand they don't want anything like that, but that boy was told to take that down. You know, so again, you can serve your Jesus as long as it doesn't interfere with the regime, as long as you don't take it too seriously. And so, because if you do, what happens if you take Jesus too seriously at work? What happens, you know, I know of a friend that was working at the university and she was pretty zealous, and next thing you know, they were asked her to leave. Now, they used other means of saying that she wasn't competent, she wasn't doing this, but it was pretty obvious it was because that she was so vocal about her life in Christ. She was an athletic coach, and they asked her to leave because uh, the students, even some of the students were complaining about her zealousness. So it happens all the time. So let's go back to the story in verse four, and I'm gonna pause here. Uh, Daniel, you can't do a whole chapter in a service. Uh, if I did that, I would, I would lose you and I'd probably get lost myself. So uh, it's gonna be just truncated here and we'll continue in the following weeks. One of my favorite, uh, uh, is anyone who the cartoonist John Stasekel is? Uh, he was the cartoon editorial, um, editorial political cartoonist for the Tampa Tribune. Uh, he won lots of prizes. But one of my favorite one was... This little kid <laughs> was given a report in class. So that's all you see is he's reading a report. My report is on God. And the teacher in the first caption is like freaking out. Her hair is all frizzled. like, <gasps> And then he finishes his sentence, Zilla. And she was like, 
And so as long as you teach on Godzilla at school, you're okay, God not so okay. Look at what it says in verse four. Then the heralds shouted out, people of all races, nations, languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, and musical instruments, bow to the ground. Worship the king. It's a golden statue. It was like a, it was like a flash mob style of worship. In verse seven, so the sound of the music instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bow to the ground and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But verse eight, but some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said that King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king, you issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue. And when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, musical instruments, that decree states that they should, they should bow. And they says, those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. But some of the Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you. Your majesty, they refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Everybody was bowing down. No one resisted the decree. Every bowed, everyone bowed their heads at this critical moment, except for these three Hebrew ch children. Verse 12, but some of the Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province, pay no attention. Let, I'll finish with this. And you guys probably have felt this. I know almost all of you. You have probably have felt this. Standing up for God can be a lonely proposition. Amen? Some of you who have been here a long time know this story, but I'll just share it. One time I was in English composition class, and I was supposed to carry a big dictionary, and the professor asked me where my dictionary was in class, about 30 students. And I said I couldn't bring it because I cracked a rib and it hurt too much to carry this big book. And he goes, you must have sinned. I'm like, what? Where did that come from? I go, um, I, I was shocked that he said, you must have sinned. And I said, uh, I mumbled under my breath, at least I'm forgiven. And, and that didn't go well with the professor. Former Catholic student, apparently, he knew his word. He knew the Bible. And he literally said, what did you say? And I said, at least I'm forgiven. And he literally came down from his, his front and came to right where Eric is, how do you know God has forgiven you? I said, the Bible tells me so, and I know so. And that was enough to get him going, I know so. How do you know that God has forgiven you? He's like, he's told me. He's told you. And you could hear a pin, a pin drop in the class. And I wasn't even really living for Jesus my freshman year in college. I felt isolated immediately. I felt like I was alone. Well, how, he goes, what does God sound like if you heard him say you're forgiven? And I don't know what came over me. I said, well, he sounds very much like me because the Bible says that I and Christ are one. I was like, wow, that was a good answer. Just surprised myself. And all of a sudden, a, a, a kid came out of nowhere. and says, is this English class or what? And the teacher snapped out of it. But I, immediately, I felt isolated. Immediately I felt alone. When you try to stand up for God, you are going to feel isolated. 
I can imagine if I'm looking at all of you at work, I imagine you could feel that. It can be a lonely proposition. Sometimes what we do for the Lord may not be seen by brothers and sisters, but those who are not brothers and sisters of the Lord might see it. But no matter what, we have to remember God always sees what we're doing. Amen? And so we have to be careful. Always remember that God is our audience. There are times that you may be called to stand up. You're going to feel isolated. You're going to wonder what's going to happen. And this is where our call to Christ, this is where there might be times in our lives that God will call us to make this stand. And he's going to uh, encourage us and he's going to empower us. Now we know what happens when you don't conform. And I'm going to finish the rest of the story uh, next week. But let me challenge you this morning. What is this golden image of our time? That's why I think it's vague. I think this golden image can represent many cultures, many ages. It can represent something in our lives. What is the golden image of our time that when the music plays, they want all of us to pay homage. It's very interesting. And I want to challenge you. I'm going to just trust the Lord to speak to you what that golden image might be in our lives and in your life. What is it that you consistently bow down to and that Christianity, your, your walk with Christ, takes second place? It takes second place. God's going to call you to stand up like these three Hebrew children. We're going to finish the story next week. But what is it? What is it that you find yourself constantly bowing down to? Anger, hatred. I'm not going to name anymore. I'm going to just trust the Lord is going to let you know that when certain things happen, you bow down to this golden statue. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and kindness. Lord, help us to learn from this story. Lord, the story that we think we know everything about Speak to us, Lord. Make room in our brains and our hearts for you to say something new to us, to challenge us. Lord, we say thank you. Lord, we don't want to walk out these doors the same way we walked in. Lord, challenge us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for this true story that happened. Lord, that we can learn from their lives and Lord, Lord, I pray, God, that not only would we be hearers of your word, but Lord, that we would be doers. Convict us in areas that we so easily bow down to. Lord, we say thank you, Father. We say thank you. And we love you for loving us and disciplining us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We, are just we want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.